Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very merry episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian, this is Maggie, and on this episode, we are joined by none other than Sangeeta. Hello! You might remember her from some of the episodes that we did on Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. Regular uh, Frankenstein. Also regular Frankenstein, and then also... It's a Wonderful uh, Life last year, so... Christmas regular. (laughs) She's definitely one of our our holiday special favorites. Um, This year... For our first holiday special, we did Christmas in Connecticut, which, along with being my personal favorite Christmas movie of all time, is a 1945 American Christmas rom-com about a food writer who lied about being the perfect housewife and now has to try and cover up her deception when her boss asks her to host a returning war hero for a traditional family Christmas. How presumptuous. I just can't with Yardley. I, we will talk about it. We will talk Yardley. about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, so as far as background goes, not a whole lot I found on this one in my uh, quick little Google. Uh, mostly everyone just agrees that it's delightful and fun. And you don't really need background. It's, uh, you get what you expect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like, you know, Christmas rom-com. Right. That is right. exactly what this is. Totally agree. But it is a delight. It is absolutely delightful, and we will tell you exactly why, starting now, since literally that is all the background I have. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you do have the background about it being remade and that being a questionable decision, but that's fine. I really didn't want to bring that up, but apparently it was remade in 1992, and I saw that and went, oh, God, and then just exited out of that webpage. (laughs) (laughs) Except I am slightly curious as to how the remake is. All right. Well, I did read a paragraph before I exited out the webpage. We're just pulling it out again. (laughs) <laughs> it seems that they named her Elizabeth Blaine instead of Elizabeth Lane for some weird reason. Lame. And that instead she had a cooking show and was asked to cook a traditional Christmas meal for a park ranger whose like ranger cabin had been burned down. Okay. Ranger Does she also cabin? do magic with a last name like that? I I <laughs> you know what? That's all I that's what I Oh, read. David Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> That might get edited out. That was a really bad joke. It was a horrible joke. You're that welcome. Was a joke. You're so welcome. Thank you, Ian. Before Ian can make any more bad jokes, let's uh, move on Pick in. It up. Yes. So we open on a scene that I always forget about and always confuses me. Always? You've seen this movie You've twice. Seen... And both times it confused the hell out of me. <laughs> because why start with like World War II U boats? That's not what I'm expecting in a Christmas rom com. I think it was topical at the time. Well, though. it was oh, 1945. Sure. It was 1945. So, so. Yeah, they're immediately setting it in the present. And it does set up our romantic interest very importantly in that he is a sailor. His boat is exploded by a German U-boat. He and then like one other person survive and are adrift in a raft for I think they say like 18 days at some Mm -hmm. point. During which Jefferson has the best hallucinations. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And he is very quickly established as a foodie which I feel like is important to the plot. Food is is a massive theme to this movie which is, is fitting for a holiday movie. I mean we in planning to watch this movie we're all texting about what we we're gonna eat so unfortunately i do not cook like miss lane miss lane doesn't cook like miss lane. <laughs> very very true but this like i said this sets up the character of jefferson jones that uh he was really hungry he was adrift on this raft he's like a war hero uh they make some lines to him like sacrificing the last of the food for his fellow survivor and poor guy he has to have this really crappy diet so he once he's rescued, yeah. yeah. Once he's rescued, liquid only. It's because 
his poor little stomach, according to Miss Nurse Mary, just, you know, can't yeah. can't handle it. But he can't stand that. And he's like, I want a steak so badly. So, oh, I wrote this down, actually. So he he wanted his first meal when he got rescued. He wanted a big steak with potatoes and asparagus and cake and ice cream. And in my head, I was like, one, holy crap, that's a lot of food. But two, my first meal would be completely different. <laughs> Same. Pizza. Honestly, right. I'm going for some nice good old pizza. Mm-hmm. I, I do love in this, though, how loosely. Well, I'm not sure that I love it. I just am going to call it out how loosely they play with the concept of engagement for food. <laughs> like there are some interesting like takes and views on like marriage mm-hmm. in this movie and some of which are like very kind of casual, which is interesting for the time. Yeah, like to. No, I don't want to jump all that far away ahead. But anyway, let's just say that he basically gets engaged to his nurse so that she will give him good food. Uh, his shipmate calls it the quote, the old Magoo. <laughs> right. <laughs> to uh, flirt with his nurse, convince her that he's in love with her. Versus so that, the baloney. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just to convince her to give him real food, which he does. They end up engaged. And there's this conversation between jefferson and nurse mary where it's like clear that he's like kind of like wants to back out and she's picking up on it and her thought is well he's never had a real home or like a real family christmas and this will change his mind if he experiences that Um, one how presumptuous i i guess i mean i i feel like her thought is like a kind thought it's a kind thought but there's also a stretch of like okay he experienced this christmas he's gonna want to experience it with me oh yeah right? for sure <laughs> like exactly. there's a leap of faith there oh yes there definitely is i like nurse mary though she just seems like I a do, sweetheart she's so sweet but i also question and this is going to sound horrible like the way she comports herself makes me worried that she isn't the smartest person I think she's she's very smart, though. Well, think about what she does. She's like, okay, well, he's getting cold feet. And he's the one who says that he's like, oh, you know, I've always been a rolling stone. I'm a rolling stone. I've never been tied down. I literally rolled my eyes at that line, by the way. Oh, didn't we all? Oh, Didn't we all? But I think that her thought of being like, okay, well, he says that's the issue. I'm going to prove to him that, like, this can be nice. Like, I don't think it's a, a stupid thought. Also, flirting in the 1940s is just cutting each other's meat up, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Into itty-bitty bites that are actually giant. That that whole scene, I'm just... <laughs> Regardless, she she writes to Yardley, who's this publisher of this fancy magazine. Mm-hmm. And during this scene, they've set up multiple times the mythology of Elizabeth Lane, who is like... Um, the 1940s Martha Stewart. Yeah, basically yes. like she is toted as like the ideal mother and wife and housewife and cook. Uh, she writes this food column for the publication that Alexander Yardley runs, which it turns out Nurse Mary nursed his niece back to health when she had measles. So mm-hmm. she's like, oh, I'll call him this favor that like he can go and stay with Elizabeth Lane on her farm in Connecticut and experience what like a, a family good old-fashioned American Christmas is like. And eat the seven-course meals that Elizabeth Lane outlines in her, you know, weekly columns. That she's been reading to him. Oh my goodness. That, that this man literally diet. just, yeah, reads when he can't eat other food. Mm-hmm. So we do get a couple scenes between, like, the editor and Yardley publisher. Like, my biggest takeaway from that is Yardley steamrolls through everybody and oh, yeah. gets what he wants all the time. But what I love is how they introduce the real Elizabeth Lane, because it's talking through 
her writing an article and you hear her narrating like, oh, as I look out across the pastoral snowy landscape. But what we see on camera is her teeny tiny New York City apartment, like washing hung on a line outside a window that looks onto just a brick wall. She's talking about the fire roaring in the fireplace. We see the like... A radiator. Yeah. (laughs) About to fall apart. (laughs) Oh my God. It's it's the perfect like character introduction and like the perfect way to be like, this thing we've built up. Yeah, it's not real. Totally fake. Well, and I love that visual gag. And they they use the transitions really well to enforce that as as well. Because it's like, I know we didn't mention this, but he, Jeff at the beginning was talking about his first meal. And then it immediately cuts to like that meal on a tray at the hospital. The editing is really, really good in this. Yes. Oh, also, Elizabeth Lane played by, played by the amazing Barbara Stanwyck. With the amazing costuming prowess of Edith Head. Oh, that's all you want because she gets this beautiful mink coat delivered and then we are <laughs> introduced. you gotta treat yourself. She literally said that. She literally said that. Yourself. Yeah. Keep yes. your promises to yourself. <laughs> what was it? The, the way she phrases it though, it's like um, a person should always keep their promises, especially the ones made to themselves. Especially the ones made to themselves. Um, we are also introduced to my favorite character in this movie and maybe one of my all-time favorite characters, Felix. What a dear played by the amazing S.Z. Sakal, um, who was like a really big character actor at the time and who we on this podcast would know from Casablanca. He's in that. But he plays Felix, who is like this Hungarian cook who apparently Elizabeth like loaned him the money to start his restaurant. And so now he's the one who writes all of the recipes for her to put in her dun, column. Done, done, done. <laughs> and we are told that she cannot cook. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> but that that scene, we get those introductions, but then the whole setup of Yardley wants to talk to you. Yeah, so Yardley wants to help out the sailor, right? And so Elizabeth's friend Beecher shows up and basically says, the jig is up. We're going to have to invite this sailor over. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to pretend that your son has whooping cough, whooping cough, whooping. to which she says, maybe scarlet fever is better. It's more Christmas color. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, but anyway, back and forth of, OK, you're going to have to go to Yardley and get yourself out of this mess because you can't cook. You don't own a farm. You have no husband. You have no kid. And you've been writing about this. And who knows how long. And if Yardley finds out, he's going to be pissed at both of us because apparently Yardley's big on printing the truth. I'm sorry. Does Yardley understand anything about the world? Fake news was not a thing in the (laughs) 1940s. Well, here's the thing, though. It's like she's writing like a cooking article. It's the it's like, I don't know. It's like no one like no food influencers ever zhuzhed a blog post before like come on i mean have you read about how when they were like 13 and they saw the snow falling softly outside their window they just think of the warm warm embrace of the mulling syrup that they're going to tell you how they made in 800 words bullshit (laughs) get to the recipe please can we talk yeah yeah, can we talk about how recipes are more like useless story than recipe these days i know you're like scroll 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 (laughs) apparently it was the same back then exactly and they're selling the image of right miss lane yeah I don't need to know about how she's been hunting for a rocker just like grandmothers. And so all of her fans are just sending her 38 rocking of them. chairs. 
<laughs> I love those little touches, though, because it, it, it especially really because the rocking chair comes back. Yeah, mm-hmm. it comes back. And it also, again, is establishing like what a big deal, like the concept of Elizabeth Lane is. So then you kind of understand like the stakes of her being like, I kind of can't let this fall through. And they mm-hmm. do the same thing with the mink coat. How she talks about it being like six months of salary, but like she needed to treat herself. So it like adds another immediate stake to like literally if Yardley finds out like she loses her job and she has yeah. nothing. Gonna have to give the coat back for sure. I know, which very tragic. Okay. Very tragic. Her meeting with Yardley goes about as well as you expect. Okay, I want to talk about the cut into this meeting, This was though. the cut I was thinking about early. Because she's telling um, her editor, uh, Be- Beecham. Beecham. Or Beecham. Okay. I think Dud- it's Beecham. Dudley Beecham. Uh, nice. What a great name. And also this just asshole Sloan, who we will talk about more in a second. What she is going to say to Yardley, and it's like her going through like this practice speech of what she's going to say to him, and it cuts and transitions into her actually saying it to Yardley, like in his office at his home. And um, it does not go as well as she had hoped. (laughs) Yardley is a bulldozer, like straight up bulldozes over everyone. He doesn't let anybody get a word in so yeah he insists that like she's going to do it basically she's unable to say that she can't Mm -hmm. and then she's about to leave and you see her just like muster up the courage to be like no i'm gonna like i'm gonna go back and say something so she runs back in meanwhile yard has been shown what his christmas menu is supposed to be and we've also established that like his daughter and his niece and like his granddaughters are not going to be able to come and visit him for Christmas. So mm-hmm. he's feeling a little lonely. So then he invites himself to also go up to her farm in Connecticut. And like she, Barbara Stanwyck's performance in this scene to me is so good because it's like you can tell that she's trying, but also like knows she's not going to succeed and is already half resigned. Yeah. Well, and Cindy, just, Green Street, uh, Cindy Green Street is great as Yardley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her her goal is to have zero guests, and she ends up with twice as many as she was originally <laughs> planning on having. So, yep. uh, not successful. Unfortunately. But this does set up, I, I just love how all of this just so tidily sets up the situation with Sloan as well. So They take their time with it, though, really which do. is nice. But I, I feel like the pacing's still really good throughout like that first part of the film, too. Like, I never felt bored. Bored. I could have used a little bit more snappiness in her apartment, but I was appreciating the banter between like Sloan and Beecham and her. So, oh yeah, how Beecham clearly. Yeah, gripe. Except clearly that I no will say, like Beecham, he he was fun, but he also like doesn't really matter. come mad. Like he doesn't matter. He doesn't come back once yeah. they get to the. Farm, I think it's so. to have that like extra push on her to like. Mm-hmm agree to do that like agree to yeah. like go through with the farce and then also i just i love beecham already setting up <laughs> the character of sloan and how no one likes sloan and sloan has, apo- has proposed to elizabeth like multiple times and i love when beecham's like look why don't i ask her for you and i'll get just as great of a no for you <laughs> very sassy and i appreciated all of it but oh, i feel yes. like felix could have played that role too the Slo- the Sloan piece. He could not have done the Yardley part. Yeah. But... And he, he does in this yeah. next restaurant scene exactly. that we go into, which is at Felix's restaurant. Yes. So it's clear that this meeting has not gone well. It is Beecham and Sloan and Elizabeth. Elizabeth all talking through what just happened and hatching a plan to do it. And I do not appreciate the fact well, that first... Sloan basically blackmails her into marrying him well, initially... for the farm. 
Well, initially they're like, we're screwed. And then like Sloan or Elizabeth makes a reference to Sloan's farm in Connecticut. And she admits that that's what she had based a lot of her descriptions off of. And so Beecham's like, oh, hey, 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 I've got a plan. Why don't we just use Sloan's farm and we can pretend it's Elizabeth Lane's farm and all that good stuff. And like Ian said, this is, I think, where we get the like Sloan's not just some like kind of sad man that we feel sorry for, but is actually a villain. And that is that he takes the opportunity to be like, oh, here's a chance for me to like basically blackmail her to get what I want by being like, you can use my farm, but you have to actually marry me. He's just so opportunistic. Yes. And there's one point where Elizabeth like straight up says, okay, I don't love you. And he's like, are you okay with that? That will come in time. And he's like, yeah, to which line. But to which she says, can you wait that long? Yeah. So the the plan has been hatched and they're going to go to the farm now. Which so the whole troop that's coming. So we now know that the farm is going to host Elizabeth. Sloan, who they have to get married at some point, and then Yardley and the sailor, and Felix is coming along to actually cook. Yes. It's such a mess. It's going to be great. Get excited. (laughs) Which the housekeeper is not happy about somebody else showing up in her kitchen. Played uh, The housekeeper played by Una O'Connor, another great character actress from that time, who would be known to this podcast from Cavalcade. So, like, way back there. I'm sorry. I forgot that movie. So, uh, no, I <laughs> I sometimes wish I could forget that movie. So, oh, excellent. It's, yeah, it was uh, not, I, I think maybe had I watched it and was from the UK in the era that it was made, maybe I would have appreciated it more. That's a lot of maybes. Yep. Yeah, and anyway. I'm still not convinced. So, <laughs> I think it's, it might be both of ours, like, second lowest ranked. Yeah, it's line. not very high. Yeah. Um, but w- I like her. Like, I no, think she does great. a great job. She uh, was great in this one, too. Mm-hmm. Nora was very funny. But I love, even though it's something as mundane as just we're arriving at the house, they take the opportunity to set up folks like Sloane as being kind of an asshole. Like, he tips so poorly this poor cab driver that brings them to the house. Right. You get one cent. Which then serves to show him, like, as such a contrast to... War hero Jefferson Jones, mm-hmm. who, when he arrives later, gives the guy a very nice tip. Like so a full dollar or yeah. something like that, which so, is crazy. It's basically like he tips the guy what it costs to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's already setting up like the contrast between these two characters. We also set up how incredibly boring and rigid Sloan is. Like He insists that for the music, although they're actually about to get married, and then Felix... God bless him, is like jumping in being like, oh, but we have to have music because it's very clear that Felix is not at all happy about this. In fact, back at the restaurant, he called it a catastrophe, which is how he (laughs) says catastrophe and is how, honestly, because of this movie, my entire family says catastrophe. But he's breaking in being like, we need music for this. And then Sloane's like, of course, I have the traditional wedding march. And then Elizabeth is asking, like, can we have, like, Mozart? Like, something a little bit, like, nicer and airier. And he's like, no, no, no. This is tradition. This is traditional. He also has the unfortunate habit of just talking about, art, like, building construction. Oh, my gosh. But it's, like, the least but, fascinating like, the part least of building But, like, fascinating parts of building. Like, this my is double are... double yes. plywood. This is reinforced. My, my pipes are double ribbed. And you're like, first of all, <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> but secondly, <laughs> I don't need to know this. 
Yeah. He's like the worst stereotype of a Starkitect you could ever have. But he's played well. But he's also not a good architect. Otherwise, he wouldn't be just like building his nice little house out in the country. Like he'd be doing well, things they with ta- his life. Well, they talk no, about they, other stuff he does. Like he is a successful architect. They oh, talk okay. about other things he does. I um, refuse to believe that he's successful because he's so insufferable. <laughs> I mean, he's not successful as he would wish to be over the course of this movie. But played by Reginald uh, Gardner very, very well. Agreed. He's super slimy. But I love that the most of the movie at the farm... It's this constant, we're trying to get married, we ch- we're trying to have the judge here on time, but things keep getting in the way. Well, in the most hilarious ways. And a lot of them, um, it's more like Felix is engineering things to get in the way, and Elizabeth is slowly, well, not really slowly, but like we're seeing her more and more regret the decision. Like she wasn't enthusiastic about marrying Sloane to begin with, but she is becoming less and less enthusiastic about mm-hmm. the idea um, because they have like the judge uh, sheltered away in the den. You get Felix uh, because Jefferson, the soldier arrives early and Yardley arrives early as well. So you have Felix like bring in the judge booze in the den. And then eventually the judge is like, I have to leave and go home. And Felix is like, great. Um, also, can you leave out this window? <laughs> Felix is the wingman I want in my life. Like, like he orchestrates, he orchestrates so much. And you can tell the second Jefferson, the sailor shows up that he, he ships them immediately. He's like, I am team Jefferson and Elizabeth all the way. And I'm going to do everything in my, (laughs) Jelizabeth, I am team Jelizabeth and I'm going to do everything in my power to make this happen. And if Felix was not there, things would have gone south way earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, the let's talk about the moment that they first meet. Like, it is instant chemistry. They are both kind of instantly taken with each other. Um, Barbara Stanwyck and Dennis Morgan's chemistry is phenomenal. So uh, but yes, I love that whole introduction scene with them where he's also brought her the rocking oh chair goodness. and does but like... she actually cares about this rocking uh, chair, but she's... Ian, well, okay. she doesn't care about the rocking chair. She cares no. about the hot soldier in the rocking chair. He cares about the rocking chair. There is, like, kid you not, a, like, two to five minute display of how to rock in the rocking chair. But it's like, he. I feel like Dennis Morgan plays it so well, though, that it comes off as very charming, right. which, again, in... Quite the contrast to the character of Sloane, who she is going to marry. And because we very quickly like Elizabeth, we very quickly don't want her to marry Sloane. Also, during that entire scene, Felix is in the background just grinning. Because he just wants people to be happy. He just wants he her wants to, to be specifically Elizabeth. I was gonna, to I was gonna say he gives zero shits about Sloane's happiness. Um, let me rephrase. He just wants good people to be happy. <laughs> there we go. But their rocking chair shenanigans are interrupted because a baby starts crying. Oh, my goodness. And it's been set up that this baby is like a neighbor's baby that they're watching. So the cook, Nora, or I guess housekeeper Nora, is watching this child for one of her friends who has to go to work in the war factory. And cracks me up because Elizabeth Lane has built up this whole mythos around what her life is. And... One of those things is a baby. Well, and I love the way that we'll talk about it in like a later scene, but um, it's like the mythos of Elizabeth Lane. So like the character Barbara Stanwyck is playing, like her name is Elizabeth Lane. Mm -hmm. But then there's also the character of Elizabeth Lane that she's created. And I there is a scene later where she talks about them separately, where she refers to the character she's created as her. Mm -hmm. Like she's like, she's 
smart and has all the answers and I don't. And I I love that for her, there is that separation Yeah. that for a lot of people, including her editor and the person who holds her job in his hands, um, does not see. Well, that's because the audience doesn't see it, right? Like the audience buys into it because they think that's her. Mm-hmm. Ah, media literacy. Ah, media literacy. <laughs> but isn't that what, like, even today, influencers, it's the same thing, right? 100%. And it's just knowing that, like, and I feel like I, I'm going to, I'm going to very much generalize and I'm going to give modern people a lot of credit that maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> I do feel like for a lot of people in this day and age, especially people who have grown up with things like social media, mm-hmm. there is more awareness. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's, can be any less harmful, but there is an awareness that like what you are seeing is something that is specifically curated. And I, I guess back then, like there probably wasn't that same thing, like the idea that something could be specifically curated or even just completely made up. And I think about, um, gosh, this is a real deep cut, but there was uh, an influencer, Caroline Calloway, that got in trouble, I think a couple years ago, because she had kind of built a very fictional narrative mm-hmm. and a lot of people got really upset about that mm-hmm. later she was she was a pretty early on big instagram influencer if you could hear my look of incredulity like, but it's, it's because that's what people expect from their inf- it's like it's aspirational and you're saying oh my god they live that mm-hmm. lifestyle that's the lifestyle i want to live even though that's Surprise, not the lifestyle anybody lives right? i just take issue with people being disappointed at disillusionment yeah well and and i don't think people I feel like it's a very recent phenomenon for even influencer to say, like, here's the behind the scenes or like, here's all the Mm -hmm. work that it takes for me to do one photo shoot and blah, 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 blah. Let me lift the veil. And that's a whole nother thing because that's (laughs) also, you know, it's a tactical move. It's also a very tactical move. But I feel like it's a very recent phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I will say that, like, I think that is one of the aspects in which, like, this film can feel very modern is like the way it, it's talking about like publicity and like being a public figure versus like the private figure. And yeah, it's interesting regardless. So to come back to specifics of Christmas in Connecticut, yes, sorry, <laughs> do not apologize. I loved it. This next scene with this film in particular does subvert some gender norms that I'm like kind of really on board with. So, well, it's already poor... subverted a little bit gender norms in the fact that she cannot cook but Felix mm-hmm. uh, can cook. And then also in her scene with Yarley where he like invites himself and the soldier to stay, there's some th- he asks her some questions about how she cooks some certain stuff <laughs> that display like a at least some sort of cooking knowledge yep. that she cannot answer. So like the really like the one main female character in the movie is the one who is the least interested in any of this domestic anything. <laughs> but even with uh, Jeff... Free Jeff I, Jefferson. I Jeff, Jefferson Jeffy boy I I just don't know what to call him anymore Jones. Um, call him they're, Jones. they're trying to give this Jones. random person's child a bath and you can tell she is terrified she has no idea what's going on she has some <laughs> brilliant physical comedy with like ripping the diaper off and just tossing it aside she looks like she's never held a baby in her oh, life at all this mm-hmm. poor child is like hanging on by a thread <laughs> But we get this beautiful backstory for Jefferson about how he's taking care of his sister's kids and knows exactly what he's doing. And one, seeing an opportunity, she immediately bonds off this child on poor Jefferson. Actually. The child that she called I, it the whole film, by <laughs> the way. Whole film. Well, 
at one point it's one child and then the next day it's like, well, that mother didn't have to work, but here's this other mother who did have to work. So here's a different child who looks Nothing. very different yeah. and is like. a completely different gender. Yeah. And you go totally from a girl age. with dark hair, swarthy features, younger to like this boy with blonde locks and teeth. And you're like, that can talk. Yeah, that can talk. <laughs> no um, one will notice. And I, I don't want to say poor Jefferson that she pawns the kid off because he's like so happy to like be useful and helping with this. And in on it, like he even says, thank you for like including me in your domesticity. Like, I don't think that was the exact phrasing he used. Yardley says something like that, too, about like, oh, so nice that you're like including your guests in your domesticity. And I was like, if I was a guest at someone's house and they're like, wash my baby, I'd be like, fuck off. Yeah. No. Well, but you're not Jefferson. Jefferson's like, yes, let me wash your baby. I, I am not Jefferson. <laughs> Jefferson is Elizabeth Lane's like biggest fanboy, though, because he brings the rocking chair. He's like so excited to wash the baby. He pays attention to all these details that are in mm-hmm. her columns that she doesn't even remember which if you've made up this entire like little fantasy yourself you should maybe remember some of those details like the fact that you named the cow methuselah because that's memorable and strange (laughs) so strange so strange why would you name a cow that i don't know regardless and tried to have the wedding didn't happen because people arrived early try that evening to have the wedding doesn't happen because of Which, the cow. Nora's super freaking judgy. Oh my goodness. Like Elizabeth and Sloan are being like, okay, good night, everyone. We're going to bed. And then like walk into like the bedroom to then like sneak back down and be like, okay, wedding time. Because it's the 1940s. And despite the fact that like Elizabeth Lane seems to be in her 30s, everyone's like, oh no, sex out of wedlock. Scandal. She can't share a room with a man. Gasp. Norris, not judgy. Not even also, her fiance. Also, we skipped over the fact that uh, Sailor Boy can sing. Oh, yeah. I did forget about that part. Oh, yeah. There's the great part where, oh, my God, I loved this shot, too, where it's him at the piano singing, and then she's on the ladder behind him, and then the Christmas tree's behind her, where mm-hmm. she was, like, decorating That's it. so pretty. Oh, and meanwhile, Sloane's talking to Yardley about dumb architecture stuff. Playing some dominoes. Yeah. Drinking yeah. some... Whiskey, I really presume. just establishing how superior Jefferson is to Sloan in every oh, yeah. single in way. Every, every single way. Every which single is why the, the cow scene makes so much sense. Yes, because every time the movie can show you that Jefferson is better than Sloan, it does. They're it going does. To. But that cow scene that just so cracks me up that it is a cow that interrupts the the second attempt at getting married, and they have to take the cow back. And again, you see the the chemistry between Jefferson and. Elizabeth as they're walking through yard to the barn they accidentally let go of the cow but they're having this beautiful banter about how like they like each other but she's married wink wink and so he's not in the habit of like kissing married women I love this scene one because the actors are both so incredibly good in it and I think they play it just right but two I think it's very interesting to have them like talking so frankly about like not just marriage but also like wanting someone you're not married to and like him saying like i'm not the type to like kiss a married woman she's like oh no unfortunately but then he's like i wish i was and she's like i wish you were too it's very like frank and open which i think is interesting i mean of course it's all like okay for the time because we all know as an audience that she's not actually married and in fact we really 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 want her not to get married to sloan, to sloan. yeah that scene too i do 
I know we have a habit of like kind of fighting over the lighting in some of these old black and white films, but again, <laughs> superior lighting right here. It's amazing because it they're out in the dark yard, but like the way the like the quote unquote moonlight will like highlight their expressions at all the right times, but mm-hmm. then they're also in the dark at all the right times. Oh, so great. And that scene ends with them having put the cow back. And I think they kind of slam the door and some snow breaks off the roof and like covers them. And Sloane comes out and is like, are you okay, my dear? And she like cuddles up to Jefferson's like, I'm fine. Just fine. Which and Sloane's like, got this man under her. Surprised that wasn't more of like an issue that Sloane brought up. He kind of tries to in the next scene where he's like, there's just, there's a lot of stuff happening right now. I feel like Sloane kind of can't, he's the type of person who can't yet admit to himself that he like lost before it had even begun. That's, yeah. He, he Except it had, good like, time. He, he'd been playing the game, so to speak, for what sounds like a long time, right? Like, and I feel like the only reason he hasn't quit is because, one, he doesn't respect a woman saying right. no, but, two, also he just, like, can't believe that he lost. He's just like, right. I'm going for the long game. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, he didn't lose before it started. He lost. Like, he played the game and he lost. Yeah. And he's just not. <laughs> he's the only one still conceding. playing. Right. I don't understand why he, well, I do. It's his pride. 100% is pride. Yeah, and his obliviousness Ugh. to the fact that he's boring and annoying. Can I also, like, for a half second rant about the fact that he's basically saying that she has to give up her career to marry him, too? Like, But she has to marry him to save her career. I, it, there's, right. there's, It's all of the small... It's so well-written because it really is a lot of just kind of small things that sort of build up to show you, mm-hmm. like, how shitty Sloane is. Like, when Yardley arrives and he's like, oh, are you, like, Elizabeth Lane's husband? It's very clear Sloane doesn't like being referred to as her husband. And when he's like, well, where's Miss like Mrs. Lane? And he's like, it's Mrs. Sloane. Do you mean Mrs. Sloane? Like, he doesn't want to be referred to as her husband, but he wants people to think of her as his wife. Mm, such a power play. And it's his wedding. It's never, oh, my God, our wedding keeps getting delayed. It's my wedding keeps getting delayed. Yeah. And then, like, uh, eventually he gets mad enough where he's like, I'm going to tell Yardley everything. Doesn't care if it loses her his job. But when he goes to tell Yardley, Yardley bulldozes him and is like, "Ah, yes, I would like you to now be part of our magazine and do, like, the architectural or home design stuff. And then he doesn't want to tell Yardley. Because it serves him. Right. And that's his whole whole deal. Opportunistic. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Ugh, he's established worst. from scene one in that kind of whole area as well this is where we do get the second baby <laughs> and we get some more of felix being a wonderful wonderful wingman with his subterfuge with the watch <laughs> he claims that the baby swallowed the watch which when a watch is a little big for baby to swallow it's i like love that watches a watch is big for an adult to swallow <laughs> you, you know don't what? swallow watches on the reg i don't i can barely swallow pills so no <laughs> Fair enough. But I do love also that Yardley's reaction where he's like, babies swallow stuff like that all the time. No, they don't. Well, Yardley just probably had gold pocket watches lying around all over the place. So maybe his kids did. (laughs) Maybe. But I love that Felix makes the big deal about that to interrupt the wedding again. Yep. Um, I think we're on try three or four. Three or four in them. He's freaking out about that. I love that Yardley comes into the room. It's like, that's a different baby basically he's like all this stuff is different it looks so different and elizabeth goes of course he looks different wouldn't you if you'd swallowed a watch uh, the way that she just <laughs> bullshits her way through that interaction is masterful especially because she is genuinely freaking out like yeah. at this point she thinks that a baby has swallowed a watch 
<laughs> because yeah. she does not know any better. <laughs> of course not. Because, and I love that the one person who like actually stops to question it is Jefferson when they're like, the baby swallowed Felix's watch. He's like, it swallowed a what? <laughs> like a watch? And then Felix comes out. We find out Felix had hid the watch in his, his little chef's hat. Yep. It didn't swallow the watch at all. Elizabeth is thrilled that she didn't have to get married and that Felix interrupted the wedding. So we're like, okay, she wants out of this and she wants Jefferson. Yeah. Um, I love that Felix shows the watch and Jefferson's like, it swallowed that? <laughs> like the one person <laughs> who questioned for like a second. Team Jefferson. All the way. All the way. Jelizabeth. Jelizabeth. Team Jelizabeth. Team Jelizabeth. <laughs> so I know we're a little bit disjointed, but this whole this whole area is like very freeform. Mm-hmm. But the one one really funny scene that we have not touched on yet is the flapjack flipping scene. Which yes. flip flop. Oh the flip flops. I have to, I have to flip, flip flop, flop the, the flop, flop flips. flips. <laughs> I love the way Felix says stuff. He also says everything's hunky dunky a lot and I love that. Oh my goodness. But the, the, the flapjack flipping scene, they're like trying to get eight revolutions of this damn flapjack before it hits the pan again and Ian i'm like had, calm down i think he's <laughs> jealous um he had a lot of issues with this scene i did just scoop him like nora nora's N- right on this nora's point. wrong ian you nora don't scoop right. him you gotta flip him you scoop him you flip him because then there's scoop jacks which are far superior to flapjacks uh, bullshit anyway <laughs> uh she's sort of able to kind of like get out of doing the flips because um Yardley had, like, specifically asked to, like, watch her cook breakfast. And she's like, oh, with everything that happened with, like, the baby and swallowing the watch, like, I just, I can't. But then they're sitting at the table and Yardley's like, I'd like to see you flip, like, just one. And she's like, I don't know. But then Jefferson asks. (laughs) And the look on her face of, like, I want to say no, but, like, I know I can't now. Yeah. And she goes for it. Or really more, it's like, I want to say yes. But I can't say like I know yeah. I can't, right? So I would love to do this. Like thing I would for love you. to do this thing for you, but I can't because I'm terrible at this. <laughs> but she does it. She successfully flop flips the flip no, flip flops the flop flip flip flops close flop enough. Flip. It, if you reverse them, the it's super deck. appropriate. Right. <laughs> the camera does not pan, so we do not know how many rotations. It the was pan more than two, makes, but it was enough excessive. to make Ian jealous. <laughs> enough to make me irate. Jealous. So jealous. Excellent. But I will say, using that to build up that tension and the like release of that, at masterful. It's so. an extremely tense scene. And I, I love that like the stakes in this film aren't super high. But because we like the character of Elizabeth so much, like they're very high to us. We're like, mm-hmm. we want to see you succeed. We want we don't want to see you lose your job. We want to see you end up with the hot soldier. So, like, the scene with the flapjacks, like, you so don't want it to go bad for her because Mm -hmm. in the practice scene with her and Felix, it was going terribly. And I love the shot where it's, like, Yardley Sloan and Jefferson all stand up at the table and, like, watch intently. And you see Felix just behind them praying. (laughs) But it succeeds. It it succeeds. So... Really, the next set of scenes is all about Yardley actually figuring out what's going on. Well, it's the dance. Well, the dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it, at the dance, which is quite a fun scene. Mostly because Yardley is a terrible dancer. Well, very, very bad. Like he ruins their poor little star. This is the one the one likable thing that Sloan does is he's like kind of being a little bit of a goofball he's at a the goofball dance. on the dance floor. And I'm like, why can't you be more fun like this all the time? Yeah, why what? can't you have personality? 
did you notice that he was only fun after talking about all of the different things that he could do for the magazine and talking about all of this prefab housing stuff and like post-war plastics and which he's trying to talk to Yarley about like as the line dance is happening so yeah he's only excited when he's working yeah meanwhile during the dance like that elizabeth and jefferson have eyes only for one another and finally Yardley seems to kind of notice Oh, because he notices them sneaking out and stealing a carriage. It starts during the dance, though. Like, during the line dance, you start to see him kind of be like, wait. And then they start doing the, like, waltz together. And Mm -hmm. he's like, wait. Wait. And then they leave the building. And he's like, wait. There's no room for Jesus when they're waltzing, (laughs) let's just say. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. But he does, like, they they hop into this random sleigh. First, I want to talk about the way it's shot where they're kind of walking outside along the building. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and like doing kind of the like sort of flirting where like they're definitely kind of flirting, but also like he thinks she's married and she's pretending that she's married. And you have Yardley inside the building kind of following them along the windows. Um, I love the way that was shot. Same. And it's again that it's subtle, but there is that physicality in most of their performances, except for, of course, Sloan, because we don't, don't care about. Well, and him. he's so uptight that well, he's. Can't. So it is a physicality, it is a, but it's a lack of comedic exactly. physicality. It's of like originalness. Yeah, he's so high strung. But yeah, Yard, Yardley's hilarious when he's trying to sneak sneak around. Ends up falling into a ditch. Yeah, when they get in the sleigh and the horse just walks off with them. So funny. So not a good investigator. He should stick to his day job. They're having really sweet dialogue and like cute lovey stuff's going mm-hmm. on and then you have your only just falling down the snowy ditch and he's a big guy he's a very big guy, very big guy. <laughs> but he eventually makes his way out of the ditch gets back home at the best time possible he witnesses one of the working mothers return to take her baby and he thinks that elizabeth's baby the good housekeeping baby has been kidnapped And just to be clear, like we have established that he wants Elizabeth to have another child because it's good for business. So having the, quote, good housekeeping baby kidnapped is an issue for his bottom line. Here's the thing with Yardley. He only cares about circulation. And I just can I just say thank God for Felix, because Elizabeth has one person in her life prior to Jefferson who actually cares about her because Sloan, Beecham and Yardley give zero fucks and really just want what's good for them but yeah Yardley has already been he's talked to Sloan talked to Sloan about it has not talked to Elizabeth about it about how their big rivals which I forget what they're called um what that magazine's called they're um, big rivals it's um, fine American housekeeping it might be American it's like good housekeeping (laughs) and American housekeeping something like that but how they're they started a column that's like basically a rip off of Elizabeth Lane and like that writer is about to have a baby so like they should have another baby because the last time they had a baby, his sales doubled. And it's like, let's not like that's not a good reason to have a baby is for circulation. And also, like, you can't tell other people that they should have a baby for your magazine circulation. And you definitely can't hold the contract for one of them over their heads in order to get them to have another baby. Because Yardley has told Sloan that he wants to have Sloan become part of their like magazine empire but only i mean if they have another baby you but can I- do it 
but it makes you an asshole. Right. And also, <laughs> that's not how babies work. Like, you can't just order one from the store. <laughs> like, yeah. these things take Especially because he says they're going to beat the American housekeeping people to it. I'm like, but if you already know she's having a baby, like... Right. Ship has sailed, bro. Like, unless like, Elizabeth has, like... Unless the baby's premature, which is not a good, not good. thing, then you can't, quote, beat them to it. Ugh. He doesn't realize that she can just make up a child. Obviously. I mean, she could. that's what she did last time. <laughs> exactly. She's like, I could actually deliver on this, but you have to be okay with but, some um, other sh- stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So anyway, he is on to them, but... Well, he's not, he's not on to them. Okay, but he's on... He thinks he's on to some other stuff. He's on to the love triangle. Yes. He does not realize that Elizabeth is a farce. Still, which is amazing. Yeah, he thinks that he's he's found like the big secret, and it's like you have not even scratched the surface. Also, it's not much of a secret because Elizabeth is not really being subtle about anything (laughs) at all. Uh, Well, Jefferson is ish. She definitely. Is. He's not the one that's making eyes at him every time that uh, Some <laughs> he's in the room. Eyes are being made eyes both are being ways. Made both ways. <laughs> both ways. Um, so yeah. So so Yardley is um, in a tizzy. He sets a twenty five thousand dollar reward. He's already called in the press. Um, called in the press before called in the police. Sloan even gets home, and then Sloan gets home, and they're like, "Sir, what about the missing baby?" And he's like, "What?" And he's like. He doesn't know yet. And I'm like, but you called the press there? There were no cell phones, Maggie. How could he have told Sloan? The same way he told the goddamn press. (laughs) Think of a landline. A beeper. Oh. (laughs) Anyway. um, So finally, Elizabeth and Jefferson. Because they got arrested last night for for stealing stealing a sleigh. sleigh, But hashtag white privilege. Which let off. I love (laughs) Literally, yeah. had we known who you were, it would not happen. Have happened, and I'm like, can we just say that they still have to, like, you know, they stole, they did some petty crime. Come on. <laughs> the horse just walked off with them, Ian. Um, I do love how thrilled she is when they get arrested. She is. She she is really excited about it because she doesn't have to get married. <laughs> oh God, it, honey, if you're excited to get arrested because you don't have to get married, just call it off. Oh yeah. I do love when they return home and they're like, oh, that's hilarious that we got arrested. (laughs) And she walks in. There's all the press there. Yardley thinks he's covering for her when he's like, she's beside herself. They've been out searching for the baby all night. Like, leave them alone. And then he's like, I covered for you. Like, you're a terrible wife and mother. And she, I love how cavalier she is because he's like, where were you? And she's like, we were in jail. (laughs) And then (laughs) he's like, the baby's missing. And she's like, what do you mean the baby's missing? He's like, well, some woman came and took it. She's like, oh, that's fine. Like, don't worry about it. And he won't let her talk and explain. Mm -hmm. And she keeps telling him, like, if you'll just let me talk. At one point, she's like, Mr. Yardley, calm down. You'll have a stroke. (laughs) Yeah. She's really just looking out for him. He's not eating his turnip whip. Right. Disgusting, by the way. (laughs) I wouldn't even is that? Mashed turnips. I'll just have a stroke. Kind of like mashed potatoes, but waterier, grittier. You're, you're using such delicious sounding adjectives. You know, you know Sandy, there's you, a reason he wanted to join the lane. <laughs> you really should Darn. write a food blog. <laughs> I'm not trying to sell you on turnips. They're not good. <laughs> there I was, sitting on the deck of my townhouse, making the mashed gritty turnips, and I was thinking about what a lovely fall day it was. <laughs> The grittier, the better. Oh, my gosh. So other other pawn comes into play here is Nurse Mary. 
Yes. Who has come to, as we find out. Well, first off, we need to talk about how it finally comes down to the open with Elizabeth. She tells Yardley what happened. Yardley gets really upset and fires her. Sloane is upset that Elizabeth told Yardley, despite the fact that he was going to do it earlier when he thought it was going to be in his best interest. Um, how Again, he was we going don't like to, him. How he was going to ruin the woman he wanted to marry. I'm not going to say love because I don't think he loves her. He was going to ruin the woman he wanted to marry's career and life in order to get her to marry him, which, I mean, personally doesn't seem logical to me, but what do I know? I'm just a stupid woman. He just wants the arm candy. Let's be real. He he yeah. liked the name. He, he wants the reputation. He wanted the reputation. Yeah. But, um, so he's like, why did you tell him? And she's like, he just kind of found out. Um, you were here through the whole thing. Yeah. What are, were you listening? <laughs> Sorry, that was the undertone, or at least how I interpreted the undertone. Yeah. But. <laughs> um, spot on. So then Sloane's like, well... Because part of it is that she tells Yardley that she is in love with Jefferson. Jefferson's not in the room during this. Sloane is then like, why did you tell him that? You didn't mean it. She's like, yes, I did. He's like, well, then I guess we're not getting married. And she's like, well, no. Oh, and the way Barbara Stanwyck plays this, the joy on her face as she is egging him on to like throw her over is superb. She just kind of doesn't get, it seems like she's, she just is like, yes, I know where this is going and I don't care because I'm kind of happy about it. I love that she finally like kind of stands up to him and uh, finally smashes that really hideous figurine that she's threatened to smash repeatedly at other comedic moments. Or tried to decapitate it. Yes. (laughs) Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. Felix has been cooking because Nurse Mary showed up. So he's been cooking her breakfast he gets Yardley into the kitchen, or Yardley's going to leave, actually, and then he smells the cooking food and is like, I smell food. I'm hungry. Yep. <laughs> the nose knows. I get it. The one time I really agree with Yardley and I fully understand him is in that moment where he's like, I'm leaving. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> he goes in there. Felix bribes him with food to give Elizabeth her job back and also claims to have gotten a telegram from American housekeeping, the rival, offering her a lot more money to come to them. And Yardley is like, what? No, his morals that caused him to fire her, apparently forgotten with the threat to his circulation. Again, a horrible person. But I do love that his motives are crystal clear the entire time so clear and (laughs) so manipulated like easily Mm -hmm. manipulated um because felix makes him like cross his heart in order to do that (laughs) which was that was he was like i'm not doing that i love felix made him i do love when he walks into the kitchen initially and he's like i smell kidneys and felix is like well they're not for you they're for someone special and he's like well can I just like have some? He's like, no, cook your own kidneys because I don't give food to people who are mean to my friends and you <laughs> fired my friend. Again, Felix is the wingman we all want in yes. our lives. But this entire set of scenes here, I I love all of the like farcical aspects to it though because we as the audience know exactly what is going down but none of the characters do so you're just no like one's, sitting there no one's like, ever oh, all in the scene at the same out? time mm-hmm. um because you have mary telling felix that she actually married mm-hmm. jefferson's shipmate so like they're not engaged actually anymore engaged. Yep. um felix is the one who kind of like loops jefferson in on what's actually going on he, uh, you have Yardley going to talk to Elizabeth to like offer her her job back with a raise, and she finally breaks and like tells him off. Snaps, yes. And I, yes. I do, I do love that it's even after she realizes that like he's like, yeah, Felix showed me the telegram. She was like, 
oh, okay. So she like gets it. But eventually she's like, you know, you you, like you haven't listened to me. I think he once again alludes to like her basically saying like, I still want you to get married to Sloan and like have a kid and everything. And it'll be like Elizabeth Lane's whole family. And she's like, no, like we're done and you can't tell me what to do. And like, I'm so sick of people just like jerking me around and manipulating me and telling me what to do. And And who to marry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And she just, yeah. Like she keeps, she says like, I'm tired, right? I'm tired of like you pulling me around. I'm tired of having to do this. I'm tired of just everything. And you're like, yes. Yeah. Finally. Good for you. So she throws Yardley out. Um, and then Jefferson enters because Jefferson knows what's up. Yeah. She does not know what's up yet, which no, adds no, no. to this Jefferson, beautiful thing. Jefferson play. knows what's up. She does not know that Jefferson knows what's up. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it allows them to have this like really fun banter between the two where it's like, oh, should we kiss? Are we playing the game? Well, he comes in and is like, well, I've changed my mind. I am the type of person who kisses a married woman. And he's like kind of and she's like, well, Wait a minute, but like, and and you, she would be fine with that, except that she's not the type of person to kiss an engaged man, and yep. she still thinks that he's engaged. Yeah, which is what makes so it there's adorable. like a, a fun little like cat and mouse going mm-hmm. on between the two of them, and then finally it's like him sitting back in the rocking chair, cueing her into like I'm no longer engaged, and after she's told him that she doesn't actually have a husband. And there's, like, a lovely little bit between the two of them. And that's where the movie should have ended. It should have ended with the, like, I'm free as a bird. Oh, I wouldn't say that. They kiss. I do wish that the final shot had been them, like, kissing in the rocking chair. Because Felix gets a word, and then fucking Yardley gets the last word. And we close with a shot of him. and Just, like, maniacally laughing. And saying, what a Christmas. (laughs) Yeah, so let me tell you, in my head, it ends when they kiss. I, I'm going to agree with that. I do love that during the whole conversation with them in the, like the bedroom, um, there is, you do have uh, Yardley and Felix outside in the living room and Yardley's like trying to listen to the conversation through the door, which is like, dude, you know what's going on. Like, step away from the door. But I do love that he's like, they're not talking anymore. And Felix goes, that's good. <laughs> Felix knows what's up, man. It does. But this movie is like such a delight. It really is. It's just, it's just fun. It's everything a little Christmas rom-com should be. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I, I think the thing for me is there's very little to nothing to like nitpick. Yeah. And it's well-written characters, which for especially a good Christmas movie is super important, at least in my book. And has mm-hmm. become fairly rare. <laughs> Yes, I would say. Yes. Um, and Looking I don't get you, me wrong, Christmas Prince. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I love a trashy Christmas movie, like a bad Christmas movie. But I, I don't like that. I feel like almost every new Christmas movie is like, well, we can just make it bad, and then people will talk about it and like it, and we don't have to try. Like yeah. I think this is proof that like you can have a super romantic, super funny movie that still is incredibly well well written. Because in order to keep that many like I think farces are some of the hardest things to write and execute properly because Mm -hmm. it's so dependent on like who knows what but your audience has to be able to keep straight who knows what while also knowing everything themselves and like where you time the different threads of the story and like where they intersect and like editing is so crucial to stuff like that like I think it's very hard to pull off successfully and this movie absolutely does yeah I agree agreed Worth your time. I mean, it's an hour and a half. Definitely worth your time. 
yeah, if it's not in your Christmas rotation, get it in your Christmas rotation or your holiday rotation. I mean, it is called Christmas in Connecticut. Yeah, but cr- it it's is. not like Christmas isn't the most important thing. In yeah, it. That's true. <laughs> and or honestly, it just like, like lets the plot happen. Right. Outside of it just occurring during Christmas and like one scene where they're decorating a tree. So it's basically the it. diehard of Christmas movies. Right. Happens around you mean, Christmas, you mean but doesn't die hard. Die hard is the diehard of Christmas movies. I don't know what you're saying. It is like a diehard in that, yeah, it takes place during Christmas. Yeah, like Christmas facilitates the plot. Yeah. Right. But it's not like. You could rewrite it to be Easter in Connecticut. You probably, like, yeah, it's, or just it's a the weekend catalyst. in Connecticut. Like, it, you really just needed an excuse to get everyone out to the farm yeah. Yeah. to have a nice meal and weekend. Which is weirdly how I prefer my Christmas movie. <laughs> I'm starting yeah. I'm starting to realize. Well, nothing wrong with that. Agreed. So I think we all recommend it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So any last uh, thoughts, quotes? Uh, no, I just, you know, it's a great movie. Hope everyone has a hunky-dunky holiday. Oh, my goodness. And not a catastrophe. <laughs> Hope your holidays are not a catastrophe. That Even though the year 2020 <laughs> is not a year 2020 has been a catastrophe. <laughs> So uh, that is it for Christmas in Connecticut. Uh, join us next time. I'm not entirely sure when we're going to be releasing it, but before, before December, before December 25th. <laughs> um, oh my god! I just had like a complete meltdown, and I was like, "Oh my god, is that the correct date for Christmas?" It's been yes, one of those catastrophes of the year. Is, oh my god, it I'm is a catastrophe. I'm just a catastrophe today. Um, but next time we will be doing National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Until then, please go check out our previous holiday catalogs. We have done It's a Wonderful Life, Die Hard, Christmas Story, and White Christmas are our previous ones. Please check those out. I really enjoy our holiday episodes. I think they're all some of my favorites. And until then, you can find us on social media. We are at Best Pictures Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can also email us in at bestpicturespodcast at gmail.com. If you have other holiday suggestions, um, we are always looking for them just for our own holiday film rotations, but also for potentially future episodes. We'd love to hear suggestions around those or movies you'd like us to cover. And I guess that's all. Rate, subscribe, review. Yeah. And Happy thank holidays. you, Sangeeta, so much. Thanks for having me. Yay. Anytime. Have okay. a hunky-dunky holiday.